1: friends, and welcome to another episode of Rev Covery. I'm one of your hosts, Sarah Heath, and the other host is Justin Gentry. And we host this show to sort of remind people who have left ministry, have thought about leaving ministry, have ever served at a church, ever been to a church, or just thinking about adjusting the current uh, career, whatever it may be that they have, that you are not alone. And today we get to introduce to you Matt Kinzera. He is a author, he is a musician, he is a former pastor who also was a chaplain in a prison and he talks about really stepping in to what is next and what it looks like to really recognize that you aren't alone in the work even when you're doing creative work that sometimes can feel lonely. So with no further ado, this is this week's episode of Rev Recovery. Friends, again, welcome to another episode of Rev Recovery. We are so excited to introduce to you our friend, our new friend. We decided we were chatting before this so we've decided matt is one of us so matt welcome to rev covery a podcast for folks who are leaving ministry have thought about leaving ministry or changing how they do ministry we're so glad to have you here we were having such a great conversation like we should be recording this so i'm (laughs) glad so can you we start the episode justin don't you feel like this is our this is how long long have you been in prison
2: yeah it feels like how long have you been in prison how much time have you done
1: how much time did you serve and what were you in for? So can you give us a little background of kind of how you, how you got here?
3: Well, it's hilarious that you say that because I was a prison chaplain for seven, eight years. Exactly. <laughs> what, I actually was in prison. Uh, well, yeah, so I, I did started, that. um, yeah, I see what you did there. That, that was brilliant. That was brilliant. Uh, I, I love my new friends already because they're so <laughs> smart and witty. I, I, you know i got involved with the event i grew up catholic got involved with the evangelical church along with my wife my wife's an incredible singer we met in the music department of our college and so that just leads into like the perfect worship leading couple right you got your drummer you got your singer and so we did that for a a number of years and so between worship leading and then i did some pastoring and then uh, i pastored a, a missional community for the poor and homeless in our community for a number of years so all in 18 years and then got kicked out of the community that I started because I wanted the mission to be that we just love everybody that shows up. And they wanted to put a super intense discipleship model in. And I said, well, that's cool, but you're going to have to kick me out before that happens. And so they did.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and they're
1: like, oh, great. Here yeah, yeah. are your walking vapors.
3: Right. Thanks yeah. So it much. took a while. It took a while. And then they and then within six weeks of them kicking me out, the entire leadership team left. And then I had to go back and lock the doors. Because we, all of our funding went away.
1: We love a good mass like Exodus, don't we? We love a Jerry Maguire moment where you took the fish <laughs> and you just left.
2: Yeah. Just take it out. Yeah, yeah. I I remember that moment where it was like, Well, I'm you're gonna have to fire me. And then a week later, Oh, oh, you did. Okay. Great. Oh, okay, I didn't know huh? you were
3: actually gonna do it. You I mean called
2: that bluff. I mean, I expected you would. <laughs> but I kind of wished you didn't, you know? Okay,
3: so we're doing this. I think that the best part about it was that, so it was a group, and then there was two people that were actually, I would, you know, one of them still my friend. One of them at the time was still my friend. And this group of people, the majority of who were pretty, dissatisfied with me. They chose the two people who were still my friends to be the ones that had to like, let me go remove me from my duties as a minister. And so that I had to sit in a room with my my only two friends and they were the ones that had to say you're done. And so that was awesome. <laughs> that is
1: not traumatizing at all. It's, it's funny to me as I've entered into, I've started pretty intense therapy in the last couple of months. And there are things that, guys, we talk about within those of us who have been ministers, those of us who have worked in churches, that we talk about like, yeah, of course. Of course, our dearest friends would fire us. And like an actual therapist <laughs> who is outside of that world is like, what the hell is that? That's literally trauma. <laughs> like, yeah, like... <laughs> that's not a – do you know you were gaslighted? Like the number of times my therapist right, based on her, right. look on her face is like, oh,
2: yeah, that's like that some petty normal? dictator nonsense. Like,
3: Yeah. Like yeah. The... No, I just I just pawned it off as like, hey, we're just trying to follow Jesus in different ways. It's fine.
1: And <laughs> yeah, Survivor, right? Like, we're just going yeah. it yeah. a It'll way. be fine.
3: It'll be fine. We'll, we'll all see each other on the other side. We'll all yeah. see each other on the other side. Yeah, we'll that's other.
1: the good news is that yeah. uh, the kingdom is coming. Mm-hmm.
3: I'm just kidding,
1: guys. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I should have triggered warning that one. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about this idea. So growing up Catholic, my... My mom's side of my family is Catholic and there is, it's a beautiful iteration of the faith. And in some ways, I think,
3: you know, growing up Catholic was great. I had this little, little Irish Catholic priest who I loved and adored. And he was known for like the two things he was known for was number one, like deer hunting season, which is as we're recording, this is like today Perfect. or yesterday he mm-hmm. would do he would do like a 20 minute mass so like people the guys could get home and get prepared or go to the bar and get whatever the however they <laughs> had to get prepared and then he'd I do love this the like,
1: idea that to deer hunt you have to go to a bar first <laughs> yeah well like you do idea.
3: you absolutely so, do absolutely you do yeah you know you know justin <laughs> yeah. and then he all, we all also, every March we'd do this huge Irish festival. He'd fly in his like his Irish dancing buddies and his Irish fiddlers and all this kind of stuff. And I played drums in the Irish band. Was the greatest thing ever. I swear to God, the entire church budget was based on selling beer and pull tabs during the Irish festival. And then, um, but then Father Pat. I mean, I like to say he he loved communion a little bit too much, a little bit more of the blood than the body. And then one day he was just gone and got taken to rehab. And oh uh, no, Father. <laughs> and he was the best. And so I had Father Pat, I had a chain-smoking Catholic principal. I had a I had this so crazy crazy nun who did like my preschool, but I say that all to say that like my earliest Christian influences were these super flawed Renegades. people. So I never grew like I did not grow up thinking like professional Christians were supposed to be perfect. I was like, "Oh yeah, they're like alcoholics and chain smokers. That's Cool. like I, I can relate and then i got i went to college and somebody and i was going to school for music and i'm a drummer and somebody said hey you know you can play drums at my church and i was like that's that's crazy yes let's do that because i was all into church and was all in you know i loved god i wanted to be a priest that was the first thing i ever wanted to do as a profession that was after i decided i couldn't be a native american because i'm <laughs> polish so that like i wanted to do that first but then afterwards i wanted to be a priest and so when somebody told me I could actually play drums in church, I was all in. And so I didn't need to know like what the evangelical church was about. I just need to know that I could show up with my drumsticks and just rock <laughs> yeah. it for 20 minutes. And I was in and then as soon as uh, and then I met my wife around that same time and she grew up Catholic as well. And then, of course, they just wrapped us in their arms as young budding worship leaders and the rest is history, you know, and then somehow then they asked me to speak on on worship at one point and. And uh, it went well. And the next thing I know, I'm touring, you know, youth camps, you know, speaking the, the the message. And then I got kicked out. You know, I got kicked out of everything I've tried to do <laughs> in in ministry. <laughs> so I, I refused yeah. to do an altar call at these kids camps. And I got kicked out of that. I, you know, I refused to do a discipleship model at the church I started. So I got kicked out of that. I refused to buy into the, the system of the state of Wisconsin for the prison chaplain thing. So I got why well, I eventually resigned, but I pretty much got kicked out of it. Like, I just get kicked out of things because I think I just go in assuming things are way more optimistic than they are.
2: That's you. Are, are You are uh, in a good, a good crowd of our listeners are yeah. the same way. Because like, we, just, like sometimes, Justin, it, I
3: feel like an overachiever.
1: No no you're you're, you're in your, good company
2: like welcome you I, found I've, us I have been kicked out or fired mm-hmm. or quit most of my church positions i think for that reason because like that the optimism of like mm. this is going to be good like and that assumption yeah. that like you know if if god is uh, if you know this is going to be triggering for folks but like if we have the holy spirit and god is in us these are the best people and possible the best group of people we could possibly assemble is here mm-hmm. so mm-hmm we should be doing the best things possible. And then you start trying to do that. And people are like, oh, whoa, wait a second here.
1: Wait like, a minute.
2: We're here to drink and hunt deer. Like, yeah, like yeah. we're not here to do this and you like you keep or hit, we're here
1: I, to judge people who drink.
2: Or absolutely, yeah. But or, also yeah, hunt deer and you know, drinking. Yeah, we're gonna drink and hunt deer but and, not and, as and, much and as hiding. Jim down the road. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> I'll
3: yeah. never I so I was at in the the first like on staff church that my wife and I were on for uh as worship leaders is is as an assembly of God church. And Yay, uh AG. yeah, so we were we we're awesome. And um I remember they tried to make us sign the piece of paper that said we, you know, pastors can't drink, so you have to sign this piece of paper. So you're not going to drink and I remember my wife Susie and I looking at them like yeah we're not going to sign that so that, <laughs> so then we like they wanted us bad enough so they're like okay well how about we just don't call you pastors we're like we don't want to be called pastors anyway so just call us your worship directors and we'll be fine and we'll just go have a glass of wine with dinner and it will be fine
1: yeah here's the thing I would like to address for a minute which is really the gateway drug of a lot of these communities is good music like we The number of folks that I have chatted with who were like, yeah, I got really involved at this church because they had really good music and was compelling. It was like going to a concert every week. I love music. I'm a musician, whatever it might be. And I think they did really if we're honest, the evangelical movement did a great job of creating this celebratory, exciting atmosphere that felt hopeful and felt, you know, especially those of us who like music was my whole like world, like every, every, There has not been a soundtrack to anything that is like I've had a soundtrack to every part of my life. <laughs> you know, every breakup has had a playlist, guys. So this idea of like music is so compelling to me and means so much. And the number of times Justin and I have talked to someone and they've said, I started going to my church that I may not have agreed with their values or even really understood what they were when I went through because they had great music.
3: Yeah. yeah. I ask a lot of people, what are they? Because a lot of people always want to come to my wife and I and ask us to start a church, which we're very much not interested in. But I'll often ask them after they will ask that question. Well, what is it that you miss? You know, you're not mm-hmm. going to church. What is it? And often, Sarah, often music is the thing that they'll yep. pinpoint. They'll, they'll never yep. say the sermon. <laughs> like, that's never the that's sermon. Hurtful, it's usually it's. like the <laughs> gathering of people and then the music, like singing music together and, and being a part of that. So I get it. I get that music is, is powerful.
1: Very interesting experience. So last weekend, I was speaking at an event. There was 2,000 youth. Amazing. Just an incredibly well-run event. Youth pastors who super care about their kids. It's just an incredible event. And the music was... I love that they do this. The entire band is youth. There's only one guy who's leading all these youth. So like... But it was like Hillsong style where they had like 17 lead vocalists. It was just hilarious. Like it wasn't quite right. But there wasn't 17, but there was a lot. And... I, what I recognize is because I have been outside of the church, I've been, I haven't been, have been a pastor in a year and a half, but I've been outside of the evangelical movement for quite a while because my most recent posting was United Methodist and I was United Methodist for years. But when I was in college and whatnot, I was definitely listening to all the worship music and all that. I knew zero songs, guys. And what's fascinating is when you know zero songs, they don't hit you in the feels anymore. Yeah. Like I started listening to one of these songs... So I'm like walking through the crowd at one point, and one of the songs that they had like playing over the music, and these are like really well thinking, well thought out, like theological. Like I wouldn't do this conference if they know who I am. I know who they are. It's great. But one of the songs that the youth who had made like the youth playlist, one of the songs was like, Jesus is coming. Everyone look up like we don't have to stay here. <laughs> I was like?
2: No, song? don't like it
1: it was so and i'm like literally walking like what the hell was that the fuck is that yeah, <laughs> and
2: then yeah. I'm like, this is but I, yeah
1: but i realized like once i don't know the songs and i'm not singing them almost as liturgy and as part of like who i am i started questioning the lyrics and i started thinking and remembering back to like huh these these kind of lyrics didn't weird me out before well, now they weird me out like a lot.
2: Yeah, evangelicalism blew the budget on the production and spent so like good. 50 cents on the theology. Like, <laughs> like when it comes that's to like, that's, so true. that's you know, like, the theological underpinning of most evangelical churches is like cribbed from John Piper and not even well. Like, and that's, and that's, I mean, that, I mean, it's unfortunate, but it's like, yeah, the presentation is great. The community people that get gathered around it are also great. But the stuff that the pastor is saying week after week is is typically like
3: not good. It's it's like the same five sermons just regurgitated no matter where you're at.
1: Well, and the number of people that I've met who have told me like, oh, yeah, I worked at that church because I really enjoyed the artist community that was gathered there. And Mm -hmm. we all together would sit backstage and be like, and again, I use the word stage. I am a mainliner, so we didn't call it. I don't believe in that kind of theology, but we're talking about my friends who worked in these mega churches. And they would say to me, like, we would just sit back there being like, we don't, what is this? And then go out and do the show. And it's so difficult and painful to think like, I. but I did have community in that, did I? I had a group of people who were all artists and there's very little space outside of church. And in many ways, I think church in its, And its best iteration is like this really artistic thing, right? Like we know, like visually churches used to be so beautiful and and there's still that compelling nature to them, but it's like this weird, um, we like lost our way, then found our way again, then lost our way again. When it comes to like, the arts are super beautiful when within the like sacred space of church, whatever you believe this beauty of this thing, the music and all that kind of stuff. But then when you like listen to the lyrics, and you're like, "Oh no! Oh, oh no!" <laughs> <laughs> and I can't imagine coming from a Catholic background and being like, "All right, I'm gonna,
3: <laughs> yeah, right. I'm right. gonna try
1: to understand what all this." I just imagine you and your wife being like. Oh, this is a very this bloody is different. Jesus we're being
3: this served. Is, this is different. I've got So I've got this friend. He's 70. I think he's 72 years old. He's an old cat. used to be a Catholic priest. Now he's not anymore. And he started this organization called Celtic Way. But he, what he'll do is he'll go to pubs and he'll just talk with people in these pubs. And he was telling me about this time when he was talking with this young person, this young woman she was in college. And, and he said, he's talking to her and she said, yeah, I tried the big show for a while. And he's like, what's the big show? Cause you know, Catholic priest, not knowing what he's talking about. She's like, oh yeah. Like the evangelical thing. I tried the big show for a while and that wasn't for me. And now I'm just going to focus on the saints. And I was like, that's when she said, when he told me about that, I was like, oh, that's so much what it felt like. Right. It felt like every Sunday was this big show. It really did. And that's what people so much were drawn to. And a big part of that that big show was the arts, was the music for sure. Yeah. And of course, the the fog machines and stuff didn't hurt and the lights, uh, the smart
1: yeah. lights. And then they miss yeah. it. Like I think, like you said, people say, I miss the music. Uh, we mm-hmm. hear often like, I miss the people. I miss having community mm-hmm. in a yep. in a larger scale than we have usually in our day to day. And then I miss the music. Those are the two things. People say, like, we can go to concerts all the time. Well, I live in, I live in Southern California. I'm an asshole. I can go to a
3: concert every right, right. week. You mm-hmm. can, yeah.
1: But that's not always possible for everyone wherever they live. But I think there is something compelling about music that feels like it's speaking to something beyond just a breakup or, like, love or whatever, mm-hmm. right? It's like this overarching thing. But then it really is, I don't know, it's such a weird thing. Like (laughs) I tell the story sometimes my friend who uh, grew up with me in Canada, not a person of faith, had never like just didn't grow up in that. And so came to visit me with my other friend and they came to the youth group I was serving and this when we're all in college, right? So the youth band is singing like the blood of the lamb, like that was one of the lyrics. And I look back and I'm not thinking about it, but their faces are like, like what, what? like what, what and is literally this? we went to dinner afterwards and they're like you're not like in a cult right i was like what are you talking about and they're like those kids were singing about like L- jesus lamb of god worthy is your name and they're like it was so strange and they all looked like they were in love and it was weird <laughs> <laughs> and like I, I realized like from an outside perspective oh yeah kids singing about like lamb of god like the sacrifice like the blood mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff these kids are like what is happening but we feel like we're so used to it right
3: yeah I got I, I got so fed up like speaking of like the lyrics to uh, you know worship songs and things like that I did have definitely a, a angsty moment where I was just I was just so fed up with it all and I thought it was I thought it was shallow I thought it was contrived all those kinds of things and, and it's not the type of music that I listen to on a regular basis and got to the point where I'm like isn't isn't some of the music that we listen to about Love and breakups and life and suffering more spiritual in so many ways than a lot of the worship music that we sing, because, you know, worship music is the only type of music that's meant to promote an ideology. You know, it's the only type of music. All other music is meant to let you experience it and feel it for what it is. Mm-hmm. But worship music is meant for you to understand the blood or the sacrifice or all these types of things. And so I got to a point where I was just done with it. You know, after leading worship for, you know, over a decade, I just I couldn't even stomach it anymore. Mm-mm. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I, I yeah, that is interesting. And I think of the music that has like moved me the most. And and not so much even the most, but like for the longest over the arc of my life, like I can approach a song differently, like like something like like Brandy Carlisle or like I'm to think of like people like off the top of my head, just like mm-hmm. their songs like I might as 10 years ago, I might approach the song this way. But like I listen to the exact same song like I like listening to Fleetwood Mac, Landslide, like at 20 it's like this is nice stop it at 40 it's like holy cow <laughs> like like and so like right? and at 50 and 60 it's Cats gonna be very different it's so
1: different too. <laughs> yeah it it's
2: so different <laughs> like when you're the dad
1: <laughs> you know
2: yeah I'm i just like i was right?
3: literally in the car driving to an event and and like brandy carlisle and, and sam smith or i think it's called party one i had to like i had to play it like five six times in a row because yeah. it hit me so hard yeah and uh and and you know I think there's I think a lot of times when we're in those evangelical spaces that was meant to be oh it's that secular music that you know that doesn't count or whatever but like there's so much beautiful artistry in those spaces that's not to say that worship music can't have that type of artistry it's just that when it's done for a certain reason like I I feel like people like Brandy Carlisle people like Fleetwood Mac I mean they're writing these songs because. Of what they're going through and what they're feeling in that moment. And that's what makes it so special as opposed to writing a song to try to get some sort of emotional response from you, which is mm. a very different type of artistic desire, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a
1: beautiful. I've never really yeah. thought about that. That's absolutely true. When you're writing out of living within an experience versus mm-hmm. trying to create an experience.
3: that's well said that's like perfectly said as well right so like like if you go through a breakup or if you go through hardship and then you write out of that like that's going to be raw and authentic and mean and somebody else that has any sort of connection to that is going to feel it right as opposed to you just saying that okay this is what we as christians believe so i'm going to write this song to evoke this kind of feeling out of view it's just a different kind of you know, it's a different, different artistic form, I guess, altogether.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's almost a forcing of the muse. I feel like when you've, I, I don't know, there's, there's so much about the arts that really are it is a reaction to the world around us and is not separate from. And I think the problem with a lot of, I don't know, a lot of movements within evangelicalism or whatever it might be is that they've created this false narrative, this like dualism of like there is sacred and there's secular and and never the two shall meet instead of like, no, like everything, everything is part of whatever this might be. And and it really creates this thing where like, I have to create music that looks like this, because that explains this versus like, you know, a worship song that's really about like, what does it look like to have heartache and still feel a sense of like, I am present to my own divinity in the divine, like all that sort of stuff there. There's not a lot of that. And then you hear Lizzo and you're like, I don't know why, but this feels good. Yeah, like, this I, feels I am compelling. feeling good
2: as hell. Like, yeah, I am yeah.
1: feeling good so. as hell. Thank you.
2: <laughs> it is fixed 30. Yeah, it really is. Exactly. 30. Yeah, and that's, yeah. I think it's it's interesting, too, because, yeah, even if I am a worship leader and I have this powerful experience and I need to put it into writing for a song or whatever, like, It's the, it also has to like fit into the theological framework. So I can't have an experience of God was like, I was out in nature and I felt something transcendent and something bigger than myself. And I couldn't put a name to it. Like, no, you better put a name to it, sir. Like (laughs) that name better be Jesus. Or we're not going to sell your record. Like, so that's like, there is this like, yeah, like it's, it's creating art. I mean, it's honestly like it, this is going to be a dark metaphor, but it's like creating Art in a fascist regime in the sense that like everything has to be about the leader like everything like there's nothing you can't mm. write anything you can't create anything that has doesn't have something to do with with jesus and if it doesn't fit well then we just don't tell that story that story doesn't get told yeah. and that's and and that's that is that is a, a formula for bad art i'm sorry yeah like, you know or Sorry, a lot Russia. of bad art i mean you can <laughs> you can you can make good art i mean there's been some again some incredible yes. worship music or christian totally. music, Absolutely. but it's i feel like it's few and far between and that's just that is an interesting thing and i and i think that also kind of making it more into our like personal journeys like sermons become like that too and even just kind of your life becomes what what can i even share in this space can i share my authentic self mm. or do i have to share something that is like mediated through this weird framework that we find ourselves in evangelicalism, like loves a great story that has a conclusion and then God, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but when you're like, no, I'm there is no, and then God, I'm just in a shitty place right now. Like, right. And that's right. it.
1: <laughs> and that's
2: it.
3: That's the story. That's the this is sweet. So like, we all know that song. I think it was, we all know that song like he loves us right by it was written by john mcmillan uh, so he and writes they took song out the
1: song really sad
3: that is uh yeah and so he he writes it because he he like he, some friends of his died in a car accident Best and he's died died writing it accident. yeah almost as a Right. And so he's writing it with this this kind of idea like I'm saying that he loves us, but I'm saying that because I need to believe that right now. Mm-hmm. And then they totally neuter the song and make they it took out the CCM, chorus, where you know, talks about The, it, the death the of his sloppy best wet friend. kiss part. Yeah. Like they took out all the good stuff and then made it into a contemporary worship song and put it, you know, oh, had somebody in a well known Christian oh, realm to wow. record it.
1: When he's singing he is jealous for me, yeah. It's anger.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. How wow. am I supposed that to The man loop. was pissed.
1: He was angry when he wrote it.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then they take that. What's that beautiful line? Like when heaven meets earth, like a sloppy, wet Happy kiss. Wet and kiss. that's just too much for the mm-hmm. Christians to handle. An un- and so <laughs> they, they change it to an unforeseen so- an, un- an unforeseen something. I don't know. Kiss.
2: Non- I think they said kiss. Which is a
3: non-consensual kiss. Thank- like, let's just.
2: Oh,
1: Jesus,
3: let's you're just, not wrong.
2: <laughs> you know? Like. You and didn't make it better. Mur-
1: earth like an unconsensual. Unconcerned- <laughs> 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 oh no, oh how he loves me is not Oh
3: uh, well played. Oh yeah. uh, it's so fine. <laughs> so, it's fine like, though. It's even Jesus. when they're
2: trying not trying to, they're telling on themselves.
1: Yeah, they're yeah, I think that's the
3: <laughs>
1: the the pain and the beauty and the tough stuff, and like is like somehow some of the stuff is still compelling and yet you hate that the like pain got taken out. And I think that's the big, yeah. that's the big issue with all of it is, and I love what you said, Justin, and then Jesus, like I went through all this <laughs> and then Jesus. And then the other side of the story is always like rainbows and unicorns. And your so I was, at, I was
3: speaking of an assembly of, they've got churches at my my mother in law's church she goes to assembly of god church as well they had this great day when they were talking about people in their congregation that had had this huge transformation and so they would show pictures on the screen of like this guy that used to be in a hair band like a 1980s hair band he was like a drummer in the band like wretched sinner and then they would say and then he jesus got a hold of him and his life transformed and then they showed his church his church picture like in a oh like a horrible suit <laughs> and then they did the same thing like three times over and it was like oh my gosh and then Jesus, and now he wears a suit and he's just fine. I'm like, I'm out of it's it. Like, oh <laughs> yeah, like I, I think it. the hairband guy was probably much more enjoyable to hang out with. Yeah. Pete Holmes has this bit where he's like a,
2: it, like it's, I I felt it in my soul when he did it because it was he was talking about being in youth group and like having a guy come up and uh, like giving their testimony. Like, I I was running with all these women and doing drugs and living a crazy life, robbing banks, fast cars, you know, <laughs> and then Jesus, and they're like we screwed up. We got saved too early. Like, like we didn't need to do any of this stuff. We're just here now.
3: (laughs)
1: He's living a bitch in life. (laughs) Like he had an amazing life.
3: Like find Jesus when you're forties. you can get all that stuff in.
1: (laughs) Get it
2: out. And then, then, yeah. So, but that's the feel so much of it. And, and, and religion becomes this, like, this is the safety net that prevented you from dying, but it's not fun. Mm. Oh, (laughs) like, you know. Right.
1: And it does. There is some like if you're working in a prison. I don't know if you found this, uh, Matt, but I was super lucky when I was in grad school to be part of a community that was allowed to. It was a Mennonite community of all things. I just preached at the church occasionally. Friends of mine went there, so I would attend there. But they had folks who were in the prison system in North Carolina who came to the church on Sunday. They were cleared to do that. It was really cool. and I remember thinking cuz within the Mennonite tradition after you preach they like have this moment where if no one speaks and the then the spirit didn't move during your sermon can you guys imagine shoot sure, sure. yeah it's stressful but the folks from the prison community would share such compelling things that I often thought like oh that's what it means to feel saved by your faith mm. Like to say like, Hey, I didn't, I didn't stab my bunk mate this week. And that feels like that, you know, something you said last time, Sarah really helped me feel like I'm okay. And you think, Oh, that's what it, that's what the thing is about. So it's like, almost like that is, that is where I feel like this, like there once was and now there's not. So I understand like, even like you meet folks who were once addicted or whatever it might be. And, and you think, Oh I don't want to take away that that's the thing that you feel like brought you into this more beautiful iteration of life but it's Mm -hmm. really hard because you're like oh no like oh oh gosh you know that's beautiful and also
3: right yeah i love the mennonites when i was a prison chaplain because they would come in i used to have dreadlocks and and they would give me a track of how like having long hair was was not of god they would literally hand it to me as i had dreadlocks down you know to here And so they're my favorite people, but no, I actually did love them, but you know, it's amazing. There's something about desperation that makes your, your faith really authentic in a beautiful way. You know, I, I met this one gentleman, he's probably, I think he's 21 years old, this young man. And, uh, and he just kind of came to this new faith in Jesus and, and he came to me and my office and just told me this horrible story about like from the far back as he could remember to the point when he was 16 years old his dad used to beat him with like a two by four or like a piece of construction lumber like not with a belt not with a hand with a two by four and then when he was 16 he was finally strong enough and old enough to like grab the two by four out of his dad's hand and rip it out and then he hadn't seen his dad since that moment which at this point had been five years and now he has this like newfound faith and he's learning about forgiveness, learning about all of these different things. And he decides to write his dad a letter he writes his dad this beautiful like letter with no bitterness or anger in it his dad within about two weeks writes him a letter back and then like they end up getting to the point where they're like hey we're gonna he's gonna come visit me at this prison and I remember sitting him down saying okay I just want you to visualize this moment before it happens tomorrow like this man who abused you your whole life is gonna show up in that room right over there and you're gonna see him the last time you saw him like he was trying to beat you with a two by four and you grabbed it out of his hand and so I asked him I said I I want you to close your eyes and think about what you're going to do when you see this man and he, it's like he didn't even hear any of the words i was saying and then he just he's like chap i'm just gonna and he stood up he's like i'm just gonna do this and he puts out his arms like he's gonna oh. hug somebody and that's what he did like he just embraced his dad oh. he just oh, yeah. knew that he felt like this is what his newfound faith should lead him to do it's just nuts that's wild
0: You can listen wherever you get your podcast, and if you wanna be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you wanna come on, just let us know.
2: Like, yeah, just and, and that's like such a potent image, and that's why I, I it's hard for me to be like, Yep, Christianity's I'm done. Like it's it's trash garbage. Whatever. Well, some days we're gonna right. say it's trash garbage. Some some days I do. Me too. But but there are other days, yeah, well, I'll go back to these moments where it's like I had these real authentic moments with people and and, and real authentic moments in their personal growth as human beings, you know, and, and as they interact with the divine, whatever whatever it is. And and so it's like it's I can't just like throw all that away, but I also like I have to I have to kind of like kind of like a a song. <laughs> Kind of like landslide I have to like find different ways to orient myself to what that moment was without throwing it away um I don't know I don't know if we want to kind of turn to that kind of topic because I know how yeah how, kind of, if, yeah, after how, how after do you left do that?
1: your small community and by left I mean after you got ousted after you've left prison chaplaincy kind of like you've written a book about your whole story so where are you yeah. what's been helpful? yeah.
3: Yeah, I so I left the prison a year before I got kicked out of the the faith community. So I was doing both at the same time and I was like this will be okay. I'm going to leave the prison cuz I can't I can't like in good conscience get a paycheck from the state of Wisconsin where their system is so fucked up. And so and so I left that thinking, "Hey, this is a great honor to be able to like serve my community full-time and we're at a place where we could do that." And then again got invited out of that, uh, literally uh, maybe less invited than a year. Out. Yeah. <laughs> less than a year later. And I was just like, uh, when that happened and maybe you guys can relate, you know, in your own stories, but the first thing that I felt was just so much anger that I wanted to punch a hole in the wall. And, and I'm a super laid back dude. Like I've never punched anything. So the fact that I wanted to do that was saying something. But then there was equally this sense of like freedom because like the first time in 18 years, my paycheck didn't depend on my beliefs. Like suddenly yeah. I'm in a coffee shop looking at Indeed.com thinking I can actually believe whatever the hell I want and nobody gets to to lord anything over me. And so I did uh, a solid three years as activities director in an elderly facility for memory care folks. And it was the most that. rewarding... <laughs> It's just the most rewarding thing ever. I just pull up with my guitar and play You Are My Sunshine and make everybody smile and go home oh, and, and so feel great. good about life. And then, uh, you know, from there, I, I had a friend out in Colorado, and he was a mega church pastor and had a really rough uh, end to his his tenure as well. And then he tried to start a missional community as well. That ended about as bad as mine ended. And I remember him saying to me, he's like, I just feel like a speaker without a venue. And when he said it, I was like, I refuse that. Like, like I refuse that like this is what I'm good at I'm good at speaking in front of humans and I'm good at playing the drums so I'll be damned if like I'm not going to do those things just because I'm not a pastor or just because I'm not in the church and so I just really kind of put that out there's like this is still how I want to make my livelihood this is still what I want to do and around that time, like so, I started. You know, I kind of got back into speaking for kids, but I did it in a school setting. So I, I still to this day speak for an organization called Rachel's Challenge, where I go to to schools all over the place. And it was a Columbine High School victims' dad that started it, and we talk about kindness and compassion and connection. And I uh, started a podcast called Chasing Goodness, where we talk about how faith can lead to good things, not just all this 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 bullshit that that unfortunately Ooh, sometimes it gets defined as. Uh-huh. Right, and wrote this book, and you know, called "Bring It Home" about how we can actually find God in the midst of our story, as opposed to you know always feeling like we have to find Him in a church setting or something like that. And uh, you know, my wife and I were my my dad calls us entrepreneurs because he's like, you just do all sorts of shit, and it's like we just know what we're good at. <laughs> oh my gosh, and, we finally uh, have
1: a title. We do,
3: that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. You can entre- use entrepreneurs. That. Yes. Yeah. So you just like, so our goal, my wife and I's goal. Yeah. So our whole goal is that we just, we do what we're good at and we'll do that in a variety of different ways, but that's how we're going to make our living. And, um, and so we're very fortunate that, you know, my livelihood is speaking, doing music, podcasting, writing. My wife's livelihood is doing music, hosting people. Uh, I've got a retro Airbnb camper that we have in our backyard, you know, all sorts of stuff that we do, but We do in a way that just brings us life, and yeah, it's incredible. So we bought it.
1: airstream, I'm flipping.
3: Nice, nice. So we bought it. uh, So we built this house. This house in your background here. We built this house like with our own two hands. It's the second house that we built. Nice. And we were doing it through the winter. It's as cold as hell in Wisconsin. And so we bought this late 1960s retro camper just so we could stay warm while we were building the house. And then the pandemic hits. And we're literally at that point making a livelihood doing live events, whether it's music and speaking. And within a week and a half, like literally every contract we had for the entire year in March 2020 went out the, the door. And so a good friend of ours, they're like, Hey, I see that you're not, I see that you have no way to make money right now. How about you Airbnb, that awesome camper that you have? And we started it then and it's just been a wild success ever since. And so it's just, you know, I think, you know, a lot of people feel like they they leave the church or they leave the pastorship or they leave, you know, being music directors and they're like, well, what am I ever going to do? I'm going to go work at a hardware store. I'm going to work at Target or whatever. And I just think, think, you know, we've got to have a we've got to think broader we've we still can do what we love to do we just have to maybe rethink how we do it and maybe what you'll find is what i've found is that you're way more true and authentic to yourself when you're not doing it with a certain ideology attached to it and that's and and now i'm at this place so i'm you know seven years past when i got asked to leave my community that i started and i feel more alive more purposed more thankful, all like all those things that we all said when we were working at the church. Like I say that times a million now. And I'm not not doing anything connected to a church.
1: Well, and it's fascinating too, because I think we always felt like we had to put a ribbon, like a put a bow on our story, make it feel better, make it good when it uh when we were church folk. And then, you know, it takes seven years sometimes to feel like looking back going actually the thing that i thought the moment that i thought was the end was actually you know the start like and and there will always be like in the moment when you're like oh my gosh we're in the middle of a pandemic we are live performers what how and yet there's something else that comes along and i think that's the that's the hope that i feel like we even started this podcast with us so that we can encourage people that like you may think your story is this and and all of us experience these like Plot twists. And sometimes it's going to be me, and sometimes it's going to be you. And we can kind of rem- like your friend who's like, Hey, you guys should rent out your camper. Like, we just need each other to remind us that we might not know the ending of the story yet.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah. So true.
2: And it's also like our, I think we don't give our brains enough credit to like, you're a lot more flexible than you think you are. Like, and this is so- somewhat of a negative example, but like, I don't remember what life was like before GPS. In a lot of ways, like I don't really remember even how I got places, but like my brain like figured out like we use GPS now, Justin, we don't need to remember where these things are like your brain (laughs) figures that out. Like and and so I think, you know, every new little paradigm shift, whether it's a new piece of technology, whether it's a new way of living, whether it's a pandemic or after a pandemic or whatever, like there is that moment of shock where it's like, oh, no. but then. You know, you pick up the tools and you figure it out and you have, again, good people around you to remind you that, that this isn't the end and your brain's able to figure it out. And that's, you know, I think, I think we think, oh, I'm too old or I'm too whatever. And it's like, I, you know, we're a lot more resilient than we give ourselves credit for. And yeah, we could love stability. I love stability. It's great. Like i like, kind of uh, love
1: stability We're well
2: 80s. yeah i hate awesome. it, I, hate it. I, I don't think
3: i i don't even know if i like stability i think i, I don't like stability i like I stability I'm,
2: i like stability so i can jump off and do something crazy
3: <laughs> there you go i like it's, that it, two it, words <laughs> justin it's actually one word but i think map quest that's what you're forgetting uh, map quest is how we used to do it I we forgot, used to print oh off gosh. remember yeah. Have like seven sheets we of directions of a I, yes. yes. yeah. I used to print
2: it out yes i used to print it out well Me and too. before that i mean oh. i remember like i remember having to use a atlas where like you're like what's the street name and atlas. you look it up and then like oh yes. it's in this quadrant and you flip Berg, around yeah. yeah like i was you you're the living gps but i um i did like a whole road trip across the country with just a, an atlas so it can be done kids but it's but it's also like now my friend's like you don't need to remember how to do that anymore <laughs> so no. we'll just conveniently forget it.
1: and we'll use and we'll create something else and i think that's the like if you think like music is this is i'm only ever going to be able and unfortunately systems sometimes convince us this is true i'm only ever going to be able to use this gift in this space you know mm-hmm. and it's easier and i don't even always think that it is with malice but churches make us feel like the best use of our gift is within that space. And so then we leave that space, for me anyway, I know, I felt like the sense of like, oh, I'll never be able to use that part of me again. Or that part of me was meant for like as a someone who is a gifted speaker, that's what I do is what I love to do. I love to do that. How do I do that if I'm not selling Jesus? And the answer, there's been many iterations of the answer that but when our brain gets stuck in the narrow connection of the only way I can do this is through this thing, then we're tied to this thing in a way that isn't super healthy. And I, I think there's so many people who are still in church communities because they really just want to use a gift that they feel like they're supposed to, like musicians. And I, you know, I know a sound guy who literally is working at this huge mega church because he's like, I just, I don't know that I have the nerve to get on the road again and be a sound guy on the road when there's stability in a church i know i'll always have this job but it's golden handcuffs because like the we we miss out on the curiosity of what could be around the corner
3: yeah when so when we decided to do church music like my wife was when we were engaged my wife was out in new york you know doing the broadway thing and our our whole dream was to go like she was going to be in a show i was going to be in the pit playing like that was our dream and then i I think we were convinced that right but then then i think we're convinced that a better way to use our gifts or talents was within the context of the church and now as i look back on that i think right And now as i look back on that i think well when i think about how just amazingly impacted i can be at a broadway musical or at a show and from a spiritual sense from every you know all your senses are just you know it's just a beautiful thing. Now I wonder that, you know, I think we just believed a lie, right? I think we could have had the same spiritual impact, whether we would have, you know, gone out to New York or whether we would have been, you know, church music leaders. So,
1: yeah. And also, like, I think the fear of failure, like, I think for me, like, I wanted to be a news broadcaster. I wanted to be a you know, I wanted to be able to speak at things. I wanted to be an actress. And I thought, oh, the best use of all of these gifts in one place and a place that it's easier to do that is within a church context. And my friend Scott Erickson often says that the church is a bunch of theater kids. And I think that's a bit true. Like it's, it is a lot of us who grew up on stage or around stage and felt like it was too selfish or too self-involved to have it about us as an actress or us as, you know, a journalist or whatever it might be. And so this is a place And a space for us to do it. It's going to be easier. People are going to appreciate us more for doing it. There's not going to be as much hustle. These are all lies, by the way. Um, But these are the things that we think.
2: It's all the hustle and none of the pay.
1: It's so much of the hustle. It's still a hustle. I mean, I remember wanting to go into broadcasting and someone being like, oh, you know, um, I wanted to be a CNN anchor, which was a strange desire. uh, And just interview people all the time. And someone said like, well, you have to get up really early to do that, or you have to work a lot of hours. And then I ended up being a lead pastor. Do you think I wasn't getting up really early and working a lot of hours? But it just was different, right? And I don't regret it. I think, well, sometimes I do, but I don't, I don't regret that. But I think it is important for us to say, we don't know it's around the corner. I actually have a sign on my door, like a little thing that's hanging on my door that I got in the dollar section many, many years ago at Target. And it says the best is yet to come. And it's almost like a spiritual practice for me to read that as I walk out of the door. Like, I need to stop thinking that, like, what was the best already happened or, like, was within the church structure or whatever it might be. So I'm grateful for this idea of, like, reimagining, because it sounds like you and your wife are living kind of a rad life.
3: I think it's all right. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't come without stress. You know, we don't have have the paycheck all the time or whatever, but you know, we've got a beautiful house. We've got four acres of land. We've raised two kids who are almost both uh, ones out of the house and ones on their way out going to be, you know, as a junior high school. And, you know, we've made all of this work within that context, you know, and again, for the last seven years, we've been just doing it however we can figure it out. And, uh, it's been lovely and wonderful and hard and amazing, but you know, it it makes you feel more alive than I ever felt when I was in the context of church ministry. And that's not cutting on church ministry. It just, you know, I think, I think I've always said like the artist and church don't mix real well together like that that on staff worship leader type of person because like as an artist you're meant to just be free-spirited you're meant to like write this for this or do that for that and this idea of like having to have five songs that are going to make people feel a certain way every single sunday like and actually have an office like an office is offensive to most artists and so (laughs) you know to be in this place where we're at where where we get to do what we love to do, you know, not without challenges, but life isn't without challenges. But at least we get to do what we do together. And we get to chase after our dreams like crazy. And, you know, I'm more proud being, being a father and having my kids watch me chase after my dreams, even as a 46 year old man than I ever was, you know, being a father of kids when they saw me speaking at a church, you know, I'm way more proud of what I do now.
1: I love that. Matt. Well, we usually like to end kind of like, is there like one thing that you would suggest to people who, as they might be like new to having left the church or like what's been helpful for you? Kind of, we let people just sort of end it with like, what is something that has been helpful or meaningful to you that you want to share with our listeners?
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. that's hard. But the, the, it. the great, so I'm, I'm very introverted at heart. You know, I'm this beautiful introvert who loves to read. And yet, you know, I'm at this place where I'm always around tons of people because of the things that I'm good at. But what I realized, so when, when I went to that space where I got kicked out, I felt so like the, I felt so alone. And I think so many people, when they get to that space or when they leave church, when they try, they're wanting to try something different. Like there's a true loneliness that happens. You feel like you're all alone. You feel like nobody understands. And then here I am, you know, again, a number of years past that. And when I look back, like those tried and true are still there you know, so the people that have always been my, you know, ride or die friends, they, they've they been there for the whole thing. And so I've never been alone at all, because, you know, true friendship, true love supersedes any sort of this kind of any sort of spiritual changes, any sport sort of career changes. And so I think just don't believe the lie that you're alone, you know, the three of us represent the fact that you know there's a lot of us out there we're just three of of thousands upon thousands upon thousands right and so we're not alone in this journey and don't be afraid to share your journey don't be afraid to to be brave but also don't be afraid to hurt don't be afraid to get angry don't be afraid to punch a hole in a wall if you need to but the biggest thing is just to at this point in the game i don't think we need to think we're alone anymore you know seven years ago it felt like I was looking around and it was hard to find people like Sarah and Justin, right? But now it's pretty easy to find Sarah's and Justin's. And I'm so thankful for that. And so if you're in that place where you're you're walking away or you're trying something new, just know that you're in good company. And it's probably, I'm not going to say it is going to be okay, but it's probably going to be okay. You know, it's been okay for me. So
1: yeah. I love that. Well, Matt, where can folks find you?
3: Yeah, just go to my website at MattKinzera.com. That's K-E-N-D-Z-I-E-R-A. Really easy to spell. And uh, and you can find everything that's going on there. As I'm on Facebook and, and Instagram. I hate them both, but I'm still there. So uh, same name. And <laughs> you'll he find me there Twitter. as well. <laughs> no, I'm not on Twitter. No, nope, none uh, of that. The, no. the
2: formerly greatest website on the internet is it is it if you say so justin formerly it has been so
1: good to have you on matt thank you so much for joining us so late at night in your time and um thank you for being part of this
3: yeah Yeah, thank you guys appreciate it
2: thank you for listening to this week's episode if you are enjoying the conversations you hear on revcovery you can continue the conversation with us and many more incredible people in the revcovery room on discord to access our Discord, please join our Patreon to become part of the RevCovery Room community. You can join for as little as $4 a month, and this helps us produce the show, as well as gives you access to the community resources. Check it out at www.patreon.com RevCovery. We know that not everyone is able to financially support the show, but there are lots of ways to support us, including giving us a five-star review wherever you're listening right now. And make sure to like and subscribe across all social media. Rev Room is our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook handle, so you can find us there to keep the conversation going. Now on to some final thoughts and this week's poem.
1: Friends, again, thank you for listening to this episode of Recovery. As I was listening to the conversation with Josh, I was thinking about this idea of learning to trust ourselves. And it's one that keeps coming up again and again. For a lot of us who grew up in different church settings, we grew up not trusting our own voice, not trusting our own belief that we could possibly know what the next right step is. And so, learning how to really tap into our own body and tap into our own mind and our own feelings is something that kind of is something we're developing, something that didn't just come naturally. So, I want wanted to share with you guys this quote that I saw a while ago and I'll admit I originally wasn't going to share it because it doesn't have any credit so if you know who said this it's unknown but I love this idea a bird sitting in a tree isn't afraid of the branch breaking because her trust is not in the branch but in her wings friend I I hope that you're able to figure out kind of where your wings are and where you are going to next thanks again for joining us we'll see you next week